Welcome to the Art and Business of Music podcast with me, Jimmy Davis, where we dig deep into just what it means to be a creative and a professional in the business of music. Today, I'm very honoured to be joined by someone I would consider to be a figurehead of the Birmingham music scene, artist manager and music entrepreneur, Desper Robinson. How are you doing, brother? I'm all right, man. Thank you, bro. Really? Like I, like I said before on the, uh, the other one, uh, I like that intro. It's all right. <laughs> nice one, man. Um, Desper was just chuckling at how rehearsed my intro is, but uh, I'm, I'm no, but I'm it's happy. good though. <laughs> <laughs> he likes got, it. I'm happy. You got to practice. So let's let's get straight into it, bro. I mean, a lot of people listening to the podcast will, will will have come across your name probably in recent times, perhaps through your involvement with JK, for instance. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you have been out here doing your thing for a long time, bro. Uh, it's nearly. It is nearly twenty years, two thousand and one, um, till two years. So twenty twenty one will be twenty. It'll be twenty years. I'll be a, I'm a dinosaur now, but I'm like a, I'm like a new, still <laughs> like a, 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 a new little baby dinosaur though. But yeah, it's uh, be uh, twenty years next year. Wow, In various well, ways. That that experience and and longevity is priceless. It's something that money can't buy, man. But how did the journey into music and media begin for you, bro? Um, so. It's a weird one, man, because I was at school and um, I was having problems at school. Like, just, I wasn't really engaged. Um, I just found school, like, like boring after a while. Um, and then I was like, oh, like, I want to go in. Because they did this, like, thing where they'd send naughty kids. and not, But I wasn't naughty, but they'd send naughty kids to, like, this thing, this um, music um, class, like, specialist music class thing. And I said... Like, would you allow me to go in there? And they said no. And then I just dropped out of school. <laughs> so, oh, wow. so I dropped out of school at like 15. Um, with just this idea that I wanted to pursue music. And I think at that point, though, it was really just idealistic. I'd watched a load of TV, listened to a load of um, rap music. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to make it in the music business as like a producer. <laughs> <laughs> so... At that point, I, I, I obviously I didn't really have a clue what I was doing at all. Um, but I just since then just had the um, had that absolute kind of like core belief that I could do it. And then a few things happened, and I ended up going to um, college. Uh, actually, no, if I'm going to record something, I need to say thank you to a guy called Bob Spalick, who was um, the headmaster at a school I used to hang around out outside of when I was playing truant from my school, and um, he basically kind of basically saved my life in terms of grabbing me from the outside and saying look you don't look like you're supposed to be here and I thought he was just gonna like throw me away and instead he said well, what are you doing I said oh well I'm from that school which was like 10 minutes walk away he said come into my office and then he ended up getting me into college um which if he hadn't have done that I don't know where I'd be now to be fair so um and he, he passed away recently so RIP but yeah so he got me into college and then um then I did a, a GMVQ in music technology and then it just kind of just started from there in various ways so that was the beginning of the journey yeah that's when i started being able to produce um making really shit music as we all do i think i've got a tape somewhere but i used to listen to like a lot of rap but also a lot of instrumental music as well so i think i've got this tape of just like some mad instrumentals i was trying to make which were terrible um they're gonna surface one day they have to. If, you know, if I can find the tape, I will just 
put them out somewhere. Yeah. Just so just for the just for the record, just so it's online somewhere that I can always refer to if I don't so I don't lose it. Um but yeah, that's how it started. And then from then I started just making um beats uh, and producing for kind of local local artists and then it just started to kind of grow from there really. Do you know what's incredible about that desk, right? The fact that that headmaster took the time to approach you, engage you. And this is something that, that's come up in previous interviews. The, the, the power and impact that teachers can have on young people, like without even knowing it. Um, and, and this leads me on brilliantly onto my next point, actually, because I wanted to touch with you about, touch on with you about the, mute, the, the work that you've done in, in sort of youth work previously and without getting too political here I, I just wanted to get your take on how important you think it is for young people to have those opportunities whether it be through school or education or youth services massively important and I don't to be fair I don't think I've done enough and it's something that I want to kind of do more of as we pass through this like COVID-19 period and we're able to kind of like freely mingle again but um yeah if it wasn't for one like Bob literally engaging me and, and and like I said not just pushing me away like bringing me into his school the school I didn't go to and speaking to his friend over at the college and taking me over there and if it wasn't for like a few other people um family friends that had like music studios and stuff that allowed me to be in their spaces and just kind of like you know f find my own way I just don't think I'd be here now so you know just just not engaging youth and just pushing them away that's when you end up with the problems. If you're able to spend some time with them, engage them, talk to them, find out what's, what makes them tick, then you can't save everybody, but you will definitely have an impact on, on some people's lives. And I'm like a test of that, really, a testament that, that people touch my life and I wouldn't be here without them. So Yeah, diverted your course. Yeah, 100%. I was just with some scallies, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so, you don't look like the type desk. Oh, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it's been a while. Um, all right, so... The, the first time I came across you or became aware of you was through Stay Fresh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. let's yeah. touch on that, man. Like, how did that all come about? What was the process? Like, was it a gradual thing where artists came on board gradually one at a time or did it start with like a nucleus? Yeah, so like, stay, that's my baby, man, like Stay Fresh. Um, basically, I had a radio show from 2004 to 2005 with a guy called Booski from Birmingham. Weird one, because we met each other the first day we ever did our radio show together, like literally, we met each other on a forum called ends.co.uk, and then we said, okay, let's do this radio show, and we met at the radio station, and we just kind of said, like, you DJ, which is Booski, he DJ, and I'll talk, and then that was, okay. that was just it, that's how it started, but we had this tagline, um, which was Desperate Booski, um, we stay fresh. That's one of the things that we used to say. And eventually we got like banned off the radio station for some shenanigans. And then um, he did his thing um, with like his artist, MDK. And, and I was just like, oh, like I'd always wanted to start a label. I was like, oh, what am I going to call it? What am I going to call it? Because it was so fresh in my mind about the whole We Stay Fresh thing. I was like, actually, I'm going to make it like Stay Fresh Music. So that's how that started. Now, the Stay Fresh thing was a name a brand and a t-shirt before there was any artists at all. It was literally like I had the brand, what I wanted to do. Um, and then I kind of was working with some artists. Um, and then some people like came and went. And then I ended up being introduced to a guy called Jamie Dredd um, through um, like another friend of ours, DJ Apostle. And then we just came together and, and that's how we started to build um, Stay Fresh. And that was in... The main body of Stay Fresh started in like 2006, but like I said, I started it in like 2005 before that. 
Wow. And it just kind okay. of grew from there. We added artists. Um, I disappeared for a year <laughs> and then came back. It was a bit different. And then, yeah, there was a there was a process behind it. So what what stands out for me then, what you just said, is this whole idea of building something around a brand. Yeah. How important was that, like? You know, was that the was that the roots of it all? Massively, I'm a brand orientated person. Like I, I kind of, I've got this rule which is like brand early, brand strong, um, and that's that. I think I just build on brands, and I had like I said, I had the Stay Fresh brand and the logo and everything before there was even one artist, and then it just kind of. I, I think I even had the audio tag because of radio as well. So the whole Stay wow. Fresh music, I had that like literally everything, and then we just kind of added to it, and it it became a thing um so how I, important do you think that is for artists nowadays branding know, the modern music industry is it, it everything would you say it's massively important because branding isn't just a logo um branding isn't just design like branding is yourself like you know especially online now is how do you communicate what your ideals are and kind of you know what it is you believe in and in tweets or in instagram posts or in xyz like that's all a part of your brand too and I think it's very important for people to understand that everything that you do online um, either adds or takes away from whatever your brand is, um, as well as your logo or as well as your design aesthetic and stuff. So I think like everybody needs to understand that you are a brand. And if you are in the music business, then you've got potential to align yourself with other brands. And then it's a brand partnership. It's not just you, just random person. It's like you're a brand also. So that's that. So important. And is that something that you instill in all of your artists that you're working with? Definitely, definitely. Because yeah. we've done like little bits of brand stuff and it's important for them, to, for them to know kind of like, you know, how you carry yourself is kind of like you you can either bring opportunities towards yourself or you may be able to repel them before even knowing that you've even done that just again by how you carry yourself. Yeah, so you can kind of live or die by your brand. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I don't do silly things online. <laughs> <laughs> so coming back to Stay Fresh then, who who were the who were the sort of the first MCs that were coming on board when you when you so basically the first day fresh music which a lot of people don't know was um, a group called Takeover from Wolves, which ended up actually still being kind of like a major part of Stay Fresh as it went along. So the Takeover was Menace, Maka, and RB, and I believe there was a four, Prison. That's it. Prison, RB, Menace, and Maka. They were called Takeover from Wolves, and the other group was. Um, Mucky Individuals from, from Smevit. Um, and that was Fury, Venom. Ah. <laughs> and as a third person. But anyway, they were like the two um, the two sides of Stay Fresh. And at that point, they didn't really mix with each other. They didn't know each other that well. Macker and Fury knew each other, but everybody else didn't know each other that well. But I just had this thing that to really be a big entity coming from the Midlands, like it needed to be like you know Wolverhampton and Birmingham as a thing um eventually the mucky individuals thing kind of dropped off and they 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 went in their separate ways but then we ended up kind of bringing in Safwan Pressure um Deadly from Birmingham um Swifter as a producer later on and that ended up being kind of like the other half of what I was trying to do then um and yeah th those were the 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 artists and then RB in prison Prison went to prison, <laughs> which is not funny, but that's what happened. Um, prison went to prison and, and RB did as well. Um, and then Macker and Mena were around. And then they ended up bringing in Casper, J1 um, and Raider and Moves from, from Wolverhampton. And like Moves and Moves and Mena were actually in a, a group that I was a part of before that as well called Higher Stakes. And they were in Younger Stakes. So it was all kind of like 
we knew each other and it just kind of grew and grew and it turned into this thing called called Stay Fresh. And so could you see from from early doors who were the artists that you thought, yeah, the, the these guys, they're going to do something big or they're going to, they, they've got what it takes, they've got the, the hunger, desire. Yeah. Um, or did it sort of, did it show itself over time? Nah, it, it, was, it was almost immediate because, um, you know, Maka was already big in Wolves, as was Mena. Um, Saf won, Deadly, um, Pressure already had a profile, especially like Deadly and Saf. They're already massive in Birmingham and Pressure had already had a profile with like MDK and, and stuff that he'd done before. So it was kind of like, it, it wasn't completely from like, you know, artists that nobody knows. It was like putting together the Avengers, basically. Okay. Of like, that's what it was like. It's like the Avengers of 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 the midlands music thing is like you've got all these really strong characters that have got all this this skill set in their own right mm. and then you put all that together and you've just got this mad thing called stay fresh and all that energy was was, was what it turned into very powerful man uh i mean you, like you said so many different characters so many different skills approaches different styles and those all of those sort of melded together in that melting pot it was just yeah. it was an yeah. amazing thing man yeah there'll, there'll never be anything like it man um Stay Fresh was so unique. Nobody was like each other at all. It was like um it was like Wu Tang really of of, mm. of like the ends. It was um everybody had their own unique style, unique voice, unique dress sense, just everything, their own sense of humour. Um and it at, you know, for a long time it was like a really strong brotherhood, man, and it's kinda of like some of the best years of my of my music life really. It's just a shame it went the way it did. Do you feel like collectives of that nature are kind of missing? In, in the UK music scene? To a degree, yeah. Mm. But there are like... But in Drill, you've got a couple of clicks. You've got like Harlem Spartans. You've got OFB. Um, you've got... What was it? Moscow 17 are they called? You've got a few like little... Okay. Little, little clicks like that. Um, obviously Boy Better Know. and some of Obviously Boy Better Know. Well um, you know, OG's not so much anymore. So, But there isn't as many as there used to be. Obviously, mm. you know, with Grime. Grime was very, you know, collective, crew-orientated. As was Garage, really, you know, leading into Grime as well. But it's more, I think it's more of a solo effort nowadays. Um, yeah. Definitely not, you know, a big crew thing anymore. You worked at Apple? Definitely. Yeah, 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 for six years. You worked at Apple for a, for a little while. I'm interested to know, what did you learn from your time there? And have, have the things that you did learn served you really well in terms of the music industry? You know, I'm, I'm thinking like organisation, discipline, timekeeping, yeah. all of those things. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I am who I am now because of my six years at Apple. Um, I, I was fresh off uh, doing other stuff, uh, leading, leading into joining Apple. And I think Apple professionalized me. Like I've always been intelligent and stuff. You know, I've never been a dumb kid. Um, I had like a recording studio before joining Apple, like a couple that had done those businesses and stuff. So I'd done stuff before, but Apple really kind of, I'd never had a long-term job. And I had to kind of answer to people and, you know, timekeeping. Um, but also with Apple, there's a lot of process and it's it's a, it's a you know, it's now a multi-trillion dollar company. Before that, it was a multi-billion um, dollar company. And it, it, it showed me kind of one of my, um, you know, one of my, my role models, Steve Jobs, um, you know, it introduced me to him and kind of that whole thought process about kind of quality, um, purpose there's loads of things there's so like literally I could speak about this for days but there's yeah. so much I took from my time at Apple that molded me into 
kind of like the person that I was before, which was a bit rough around the edges and kind of really gave me that professional edge and that way of kind of like systematically thinking, okay, cool. If you're going to do something and put your name to it, then at least make it be great at every level that you possibly can. And don't rush to be first because actually what people don't see is that Apple are never first to the market at all. Actually, they like wait and see and then they just do it the best. And, you know, there's no, you don't have to rush. Take your time with it and just make it something that's um, that's strong and long lasting. And, and that kind of, uh, that kind of has really lived with me. And also as well, um, branding. So I was already a brand orientated person anyway, but you work for kind of what was at the time, and I think still is now, is the, the most valuable brand in the world. And it starts to teach you a lot about kind of how important branding is um, on many different levels. So, yeah. Yeah, it changed my life, Apple did. I kind of, and I still keep in contact with a lot of people from there now. Yeah, I was going to come back to that. I mean, we're talking about brands. You're looking at the upper echelons there, aren't right? you? Yeah, like the... Yeah, exactly. It <laughs> like, is. It's the clinical, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it reminds me of that TED Talk, uh, Simon Sinek, when he talks about why, like what is your why? And he goes into the, the explanation of what Apple's why is. Mm -hmm. And when he breaks it down like that and you see it from that perspective, you know, their why isn't about making money. It's not about turnover, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all about, you know, what we do and how we do it, how we go about it you know, the products we make and how we package it and yeah, everything. It's about, it's about changing Pioneer. people's lives through technology. Mm. And then obviously as a business, making a crap load of money off the back of that. But there is a purpose to what they do and you can see that purpose because it runs through every product that they, you know, that they release. So, Absolutely. And has that, has that sort of informed you in terms of the B83? Brand yeah, yeah, as well? yeah, yeah. The way yeah, you yeah. package things, the way you Yeah, Apple, like Apple, um, the original iPhone packaging took, I believe it's either seven or 12 seconds to open. Now, a lot of people don't know this either, but if you grabbed the box and you held it and the thing would go and come down and it took, I think it's, I'm sure it's seven seconds, but it took seven seconds for that box to open. And that wasn't by mistake. That was because of, they wanted to build that sense of anticipation. Yeah. And it took somebody like hours and hours and hours, days and days, I don't know how long, to find the right materials to create the box with the right amount of friction and that would do whatever to create that sense wow. of anticipation. Now, that's just the box. <laughs> yeah. You know, take away and then that's and then you gotta go with everything else after that. And and that knowing those kind of things and learning all that stuff and seeing how effective it was though, because I used to work at Apple as a creative, so I used to teach people how to um how to use the products and and set them all up for them and i'd see the wow moments in in their face and i'd see the kind of the process that had gone into that but i was on the front line of seeing how effective that was with people and then just stuff like that kind of lives with you man um so one of my things is yeah just i was always about branding anyway but you just turned that up like a thousand percent working at apple and there's so much i've taken from that experience that i try and kind of like employ now so love that man love it there's so much to get through in this interview. Um, we're we're going to just keep moving at pace. Jeez. But I want to I wanna pick up with you about Meet the Artists. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you, you created this, what was essentially a TV show. It ended yeah, it did being, end up being it? a TV show, yeah. yeah. Um, where you, you had artists come, come onto the show. You'd interview them one-to-one. -one. You'd really get into it with them. Uh, like, where did that concept come from? How did it begin? Where it, was it born? It came from wanting to help people deliver understanding of themselves um 
strangely, it's mad that you've taken this topic after the Apple topic because I used to work at Apple and then we'd have the lunchroom. Now, I've always been, all the way through Apple, I was still doing music and, you know, people used to know me as, you know, working there, but they didn't really know the other side of my, of my life um, outside of work. So you kind of, you're dealing with people that may not have come across, you know, the people that I would come across with in my life, you know, people of different walks of life that maybe aren't the most kind of, uh, yeah, I'll move on. Well, basically, <laughs> <laughs> but there was, I'd, I'd hear the comments that people would make about kind of the Channel U video or the this or the that. Okay. And I'd, I'd hear them talk about people and make kind of like disparaging comments about people that, that you know, not people that I knew personally, but the, the type of person that I was around a lot. Sure. And I was like, well, in my head, I was like, you don't know, you don't know them, mm. you know, and I know these kind of people and I know that they, they each have their own hopes, dreams and aspirations too. And, you know, a lot of people don't take home to see my mom. It's not like, you know, it's, they're, they're good people. So then it was like, well, how can I do something? How can I create some content where without telling the people I'm interviewing, I'm basically helping them PR themselves um, mm. by having a really good in-depth, you know, interview with them and allowing them to kind of express themselves via an interview without kind of making it a thing. Um, and that's, how, that's, that's, that's one of the main reasons why I started it was kind of like, I saw a gap. Um, I wanted to do something, I was bored as well. <laughs> like I was, I was like, oh, I'm just gonna do this interview show. And then, yeah, I just wanted to kind of show people another side of the people that I know and love in the music business. Um, and at the time, actually, there was no long form um, interview sh show mm. like that in, in, in our market. And yeah. there's a lot of them now, but you know, I was the first to do it. Everybody was doing like really short, like 10, 15 minute interviews at that point. They're all quite quirky now, aren't they? Chicken yeah. shop dates. Yeah, and man. Like grind, grind. There's there's loads now yeah. and it's good. And it's, you know, it's about the, what, the, podcast, the podcast market's gone, you know, really long form as well. So mm. I watched the four and a half hour Buster Rhymes interview over the weekend. So that's like Jeez. super long form. Um, but yeah, that's one of the reasons I started it. And it just kind of, my first two were... Uh, C4, who's always been at the end of the phone when, I, when I've got a mad idea, and I'm like, bro, let me just, let me just try this on you. And I think he was like C4 and Trilla. Okay. If I remember correctly, were the first two. And then it just kind of built from there, really. And you had some epic set that you were filming on. Yeah. Like, how did that? That was the TV one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was that, I mean, was that BCU? That was BCU, yeah. yeah. So, um, amazing facilities. Big up the BCU gang. Yeah, I've always been one to kind of use what I can to the best of my abilities at any one point in time. So I think I did a um, what did I do? I think I did some tutoring, at, uh, like guest tutoring at BCU mm. through Lyle. Um, okay. And I think through that process, then they showed me around the studios and stuff, and I was like, wait. <laughs> you guys have just got TV studios in here and I was like well how can I use these and they were like well you've got to, to do it you've got to like work with some students so I ended up kind of like creating the show around the students like manning the cameras and helping with production okay. and stuff and then I got free use of the facilities and then that was that I just kind of like made I think that was Meet the Artist Series 4 I think um, and that one ended up going on um, on, on TV on um Big Centre TV, which ends mate, up, I was which which been which, which is called Made in yeah, okay. Made in Birmingham now. Um, yeah, so I ended up making a TV show, which was good. So you tapped into your network. Yeah, used the facilities available to you. Like let, let's let's come to network. Then how important do you think that is in the in the modern music industry? 
what's that cheesy one that's so true and actually not your cheesy? Network it, your, your network is your net worth. Network yeah. is your net worth. I can't stress that enough. Um, but it's about building uh, natural, organic, long-lasting, strong relationships because everybody smells bullshit. <laughs> so, um, you know, if you're out there trying to use people, people will clock onto it straight away. And that's that, really. You won't last long. But if you're able to kind of like, you know, organically build a network and then build worth between each other and value and then be able to kind of start kind of like building with each other, then over time, um, those opportunities will start to come to you. Um, and network, I think the best thing to do is a lot of people try and network upwards, um, which is good to do. You know, don't not do that because it's important. But I think a lot of people don't network laterally enough mm. um because what happens is is that whatever level you're at everybody else around you will hopefully he's trying to rise up as well so if you build a network around you of people that want to do business with each other because you're all trying to help each other eventually hopefully that network will end up being in positions you know um bigger than they were before and then you can help each other even more at that point yeah so yeah. you know whilst you're always looking upwards just make sure you look around you and start working with the people around you that need help um, and help each other and then when you're all in these different positions you can help each other even more yeah absolutely and if all the people that are in that foundational network are doing their own networking you know, and mm -hmm. branching out then obviously that just all feeds back into the the center doesn't it yeah and, it, and is there something as well in like taking your time with relationships, maybe sort of proving yourself, not trying to rush things along and, oh, can you help me? Can you, can you do this for me? Can you, do, you know, showing people that actually I'm doing things for myself. I'm self-sustainable. You know what I mean? And I think from there. one thing that I've learned and one thing I always try and pass, try and pass on as, as much as possible is, is be of service to people. Mm. And what you'll find is, is that if you are in service to as many people as possible, and obviously don't drain yourself because it's not, you know, sometimes it's not conducive to do that all the time. But if you're if you're of service to people, what will happen is things will start coming back to you. Um, if you're the kind of person that's always trying to like take, 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 or just asking for people people for stuff all the time, what usually happens is is those kind of people just fade out. And I've found that kind of in every role I'm in now is that I've been able to, to build um, my business around being of service to people. So as a manager, I'm, I'm of service. Um, as a label owner, you know, we're of service to our clients in terms of building careers and stuff. And just as kind of like in the, in a network, like how can I help you? How can I introduce you to people? And then those, what's it called? Like paint it forward. Yeah. All of that stuff comes back yeah. to you in abundance. Mm. Um, so if you start there and figure out who you can help be of service to, you'll, st you'll start to see a lot of changes if you're not doing that already. So that's such a great philosophy man um moving you know just move to move in life with in general like be of service in general like yeah. what can you do for your neighbor what can you do for the old lady down the road like i don't know what can you do for your your, your kids football team that, that plays on a sunday in a park or something you know what i mean yeah, I yeah, yeah. A, and it a, comes back like it always comes back yeah. um and you know usually just by helping people you end up being like full Exactly. It's, just, it's, it's very it's nourishing. Nice. Yeah, it's very, very nourishing. In lots of ways actually, and yeah. fulfilling. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, man. So perhaps not just in a professional sense. But all right. So um, moving swiftly on, as we are in this interview, um, I described you at the start of the interview as a music entrepreneur. entrepreneur. Yeah. I, I think it's fair to say probably music and media 
entrepreneurial. Yeah, 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 do you yeah, go yeah. with that? Yeah? yeah. What do you think of the media offerings in the city at the moment? Do you feel do you feel like there there are enough of them? Do you feel like there are enough people doing interesting things with like music videography, for instance? And there's people doing interesting things. There's just not enough people doing interesting things. Yeah. So I can't take away from anything that anybody's doing. There are people doing great stuff. Um, we just need more. Um, mm. It needs to be louder, bigger. Um, I think there needs to be more representation of of Birmingham culturally at all levels, really. You know, not just in urban music or black music or whatever. Um, you know, if there's an indie scene, it'd be great to see that more visually. Just um, just loads of different ways. I think um, Birmingham suffers from a marketing problem. Um, I believe in terms of how do we market ourselves to the world mm. as an artistic and cultural like epicenter mm. um i found out something recently that the um and i might be wrong but i don't think i am because i was told by a good source that the um the way the council kind of markets birmingham is a, it's it's more about kind of like a, a place to have like events and um offices and a place to kind of come and have like kind of like corporate events and stuff and i was like what and they're like yeah that's what a lot of the budget gets spent on is like international and that might change now obviously because of covid so you don't mm. know how that's going to change but kind of like um it's more about that and i was like well it actually feels like it makes sense really because i feel like you know in comparison to somewhere like manchester it seems like birmingham's always struggled has kind of presented itself as a as a creative hub and i just think you know on the ground there's a lot of us that can that can make media in our own different ways that can help change that narrative and start to be proud about Birmingham and tell that story and puff our chests out and just really say, look, you know, this is what's going on here. Without being cheesy about it, just be just some cool shit. I think that's 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 really it, really. Just make some cool shit and um, pull it out there for more and more people to see. And then the more cool shit there is, then the more people will think Birmingham's cool. <laughs> which is, which is, which is that, that really. It's, it's a given, isn't it? Yeah, the, the more cool stuff we have, the cooler we get. Yeah, um, it's it's interesting you said that actually about the way Birmingham's marketing itself. It came up in episode two with Lyle Binyan ah, and, and big yes. big up Lyle, like Lyle. And um, he was saying that pe people are always asking that question: How do we market the sound of Birmingham? Mm -hmm. But the, in his words, the sound of Birmingham is the sound of collaboration. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've done so many interesting things, fusing different genres of music or. Uh, different art forms, you know, with, with the f some of the festivals that are curated in the city and stuff. Uh, and I think it's a really important point there, you mate. But what what also makes me chuckle is that some, someone said to me years ago, Birmingham, that's just that place that I always drive through <laughs> to get to get to somewhere. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, it's no wonder we're just inviting people here to have their little events and then just yeah. carry on about their business. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, um, and I think though, dude, I, I and I, I want to say this on the record because I do say it to a lot of people is I do think there has been, and I think it is changing, and hopefully it changes faster, but I think there there has traditionally been a bit of a self-esteem issue in, in Brum, just about how we kind of talk about ourselves. And I think a lot of people that I've had contact with over years and years now, there's always that kind of feeling that you have to go to that big city down south um, or you have to go somewhere else or whatever, mm. and that's better than what we're doing and, and X, Y, Z, rather than kind of just looking at ourselves and talking touch, talking up the things that we do here and, and who we are and just and just filling ourselves with that esteem of, of what Birmingham is and can be. And I just feel like there hasn't been enough of that because um, I think it might be because we're like a traditionally like a working class city mm. and, and there's not that 
like you know that bravado and and all that kind of stuff. But I think that will change. And the, and the kids nowadays, obviously, they're coming up in a different city, so hopefully they they shout about it more as well. Yeah, perhaps it's like an element of humility. You know, yeah, people generally re- refer to particularly people from the black country and Dudley as the yeah. salt of the earth. Yeah, or, yeah, you know well, it's mean? true. That though. kind of thing. It's true. It's true. But at the same time, I think you know it doesn't have to be about ego. I of just course. think it's. I just think it's about kind of like being full and 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 having that kind of esteem and just not being afraid to say that you make great stuff or you do great things and just kind of like figuring out how to mm. push that out there. And I think the more of that there is, the more people will be magnetized to Birmingham. And that's what needs to happen is that we need to kind of like draw people in and not just kind of have people that just leave all the time really. And, you know, that's because the opportunities have been elsewhere. So you can't blame people for doing that really when you're chasing opportunities. But yeah. we need to kind of really grow stuff here, which is what I'm trying to do. Love that, love that, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll come on to that in a in a in a little while, um, and also just just to round off that point, I feel like because I've been involved in music in the city for nearly two decades, and I feel like the 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 sort of approach and like attitude or feeling of um, people not wanting others to succeed in the city and yeah. that kind of thing. I feel like that's slowly being stamped out, slowly, thankfully. And yeah. it's very self-deprecating, man, that whole like, oh, no one wants Birmingham to succeed. No one wants the people in it to win. Do you know what it is? It's it's the difference between um, survival mentality and abundance mentality. Mm. So when there's a lack of opportunity, there's going to be, you know, somebody sees a pound drop on the floor and they're like, <gasps> yeah, a yeah, pound? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm just gonna jump on it. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, get away, get away! Like, it's it's that kind of because yeah. because they're just there's just that it just felt what well, it's felt like there's just that one pound that's floating around. Whereas you know you go to another city that's got loads of things going on, and it's in abundance. You're not afraid mm. to share and collaborate and 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 you know open the door for people and leave that door open and not be afraid that someone else is gonna come through and you're like, oh wait, they're gonna take my job. Um, yeah, and I think yeah. that is changing now. Um, you know, the city in itself is changing. There's there's a lot of development going on, and I think mentally, that starts to stir things in people. Like, oh, okay, there's 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 change happening. There's things growing. There's stuff happening. Um, but yeah, that needs to change the whole abundance and survival thing because the more we're in that survivalist mentality, the less we collaborate and the less we grow, and the more we kind of have those situations where people are kind of like you know fighting over the last pound that really isn't the last pound. <laughs> <laughs> there's more pounds. <laughs> but, so. It's a really good time actually to come on to like infrastructure, this word that gets thrown around and bandied around a hell of a lot in the yeah. city whenever we kind of meet up at these networking events. And tip of the hat to you, Des, for, for trying to get off the ground, mix and build before this whole COVID situation kicked off, um, which I thought was excellent, you know, the, the one event that I did attend. But what what do we need in the city to start building this infrastructure that everyone keeps talking about? And how do we go about that? I think there's again harking back to the whole Apple thing is that um Steve used to talk about serendipity, which is um just kind of like you know those those moments that just kind of happen. Mm. Um and you the, can't explain them. You can't explain yeah. them, they just happen. But a lot of that is about being around each other and seeing each other and, and being collaborative and being open in that kind of sense. And that's why I did mix and build was to put people in rooms that wouldn't kind of be like naturally in rooms with each other. And have them just meet each other and just me trying to step away and see people talk and exchange numbers and all those kind of things there. And, and that and that stuff 
is the stuff that builds other stuff because people are naturally working with each other and they see each other. And there's a, that there's there's that mistrust starts to fall away as well mm. because you've you've met each other, you actually looked in each other. You know you've what I'm connected. saying? You've connected yeah. with each other. Mm. Um, and I think infrastructure is 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 it's people. You know, it's people mixing with people and people sharing ideas and people sharing opportunities. And I think the more of that there is, and then the more spaces there are for those things to happen or those things to grow within, I think that is when you start to build actual real infrastructure. Um, other than that, though, the, 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 importantly, there needs to be um, more businesses, uh, more businesses that actually thrive and work with each other as, a, as an ecosystem as well. And we can start passing some money around each other mm. um, because, you know, without cash, then things just dry up very quickly. Um, and I think that's important. So I've I've purposefully just for myself, just worked on my business and then how can my business help other people? How can we, um, for instance, I mean, in the other room at the moment, there's um, Tanner who's working with uh, a local photographer and a local videographer right now. He's making some money, doing whatever he's doing. He's going to spend that money with them. And that is, you know, that's how we start to build things and how we build those kind of like peripheral businesses around each other so i think it's important to to be collaborative but i think it's really important for people to be um entrepreneurial in nature and just start things um and that becomes the infrastructure yeah just naturally really trying to break bread with each other locally yeah 100 percent. help each other give each other opportunities platforms so You've embarked on the journey of building the infrastructure and flying the flag with B- <laughs> BE83. Yeah. And am I right in thinking that that came about through a conversation with Mike Skinner or, you know, is there a partnership there, a collaboration there or... You know what? Yes and no is that I've always been this way inclined anyway. Um, and I've always been about, like, Stay Fresh was a label. Mm. As much as it, it, it kind of on the surface looked like it was a collective, but the whole intention was a label. Um, and you know, I tweeted in 2011 about wanting to get like this label deal that I wanted to do Universal and having that be Stay Fresh slash Universal. But that was an idea that was I had long before that as well. But I ended up doing that with B83 because that was my intention from the get go. So when me and Mike met each other, um, like Mike wanted to go ahead and kind of do a label, and I was open to doing it as well. And it just kind of it just never happened by way of him starting the streets again. And then me getting busy with Jay more so, and then we we did loads of collaborative stuff together. Um, you know, we did Grim Sickers together. Uh, obviously, Jay and him have done stuff. We've been on tour like twice with the streets. So there's like mm-hmm. loads of stuff that after we met each other, we did, and it became a thing. Um, but we never actually came and did the the des- we had the logo. We had we, we planned the photo shoot. There was loads <laughs> of things that we did. It was just called like Desperate Skinner. We even went and had a couple of meetings at, in some buildings, but he just he just he just. Didn't never materialize. never materialized yeah. no how did that meeting come about you know in the first place how did you link up with mike and basically and unfold what i want to and i'm going to tell the whole story and i'm not trying to be too long with it but i want to tell the whole story nah, tell because him, man, it's, it. it's important to tie together that idea of networking that we were talking about earlier on sure so um i think it was about 2014 i think it was i was in la i'd been going to la back and forth for for some time um and i met a a concert promoter called um dada um, over there through somebody and he was um he looked after like um puff daddy's son like a few people in terms of like booking them themselves um, shows and stuff like that um flash forward i am doing meet the artists and um murkish dave had reached out to me because he was like yo i really love the show xy i love what you're doing 
Um, and I didn't know at the time really who Murkish Dave was or who Murkish Dave knew or what he was doing. Okay. He's just like, it's Murkish Dave. Cool, safe, it's Murkish <laughs> Dave. Yeah. Um, but then the LA guy gets in contact with me and says, look, uh, I'm doing some shows for game. And there's a whole other story about that as well, but I won't get into it. He says, I'm doing some shows for game. He's coming over to uh, Manchester. Um, I want to do some after parties. Do you know anybody? Now I'm like, shit, you know, I'm going to try and make something happen because obviously you want, you you know, you're trying to maintain yeah, your man. relationships and you want to show that you can do stuff. Mm. So I'm like, oh, yeah. so I was like, I found out that, that Dave did, um, did shows in Manny. So I reached out to him. I was like, bruv, um, I've got this thing with the game. Uh, they want to do after parties, you know, can can we make something happen? And we tried to make it happen, but it just it just didn't happen um, in, at the end. Um, but then me and David had made that kind of connection with each other and spoke and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, flash forward again, um, he reaches out to me and says, oh, you know, look, I can see that you're doing things in Brum. We're looking for two um, MCs to jump on this tune with um, that Mike Skinner's made. I'm like, oh, what are you wondering about? He's like, yeah, well, we do Tonga was cool at the time. It's called Tonga Balloon Gang, so they did all these okay. events um, underneath the Tonga banner, but they were actually like making songs as well. And they were like, you know, Mike's got this beat, and Mike wants two artists on there. Um, so who do you think you can get? And I was like, okay, well, J.K. And I think I was around Mayhem a lot at the time as well, um, who's in the other room at the moment. Um, I said, all right, cool. I'm gonna put, I'm gonna get J and Mayhem to do it, um, and. Jay was a bit hesitant. He was like, oh, I'm not sure. I said, bruv, come on, man. It's like, it's, it's, it's Mike Skinner. Like, you never know what's going to happen. So it's just, let's just do it. And then we ended up um, meeting them at, um, what was the studio? It was called Uni, Uni Vibe. That's not there anymore, actually. Okay. But, by PMT. Um, but that they've got rid of that now because of HS2, haven't they? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was where we, we, that's where I first met Mike Skinner. Um, and, and just to clarify for anyone listening, you weren't managing JK at this point, were you? Were you just sort I of... I think at that time, I think I'd... Ooh. Was it, was it I think, around the beginning? I think it may have been just before. Okay. I'd have to check my timeline, but it was it was either just after or just before it was like really close. Right. And I think actually, I think him listening to me on that was maybe one of the ways we started to build a relationship more outside of kind of like the interviews that we've done and stuff. So um, that was that. We 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 landed at Univibe. Mike was there, um, and I was a bit like all of us were a bit kind of like awestruck because it's mm. it's Mike Skinner. Um, we were trying not to show it, but still, it's Mike Skinner. <laughs> uh, and Dave was there, and that's how that started. And I think what it was as well is that Mike, um, I had a little a camera, um, a little it's a Sony RX One, which is if anybody knows, it's a bit of an expensive camera for what it is it's really small camera and really overly expensive for, for, for what it is but i didn't know that mike mike skinner was a camera nerd so he saw my camera and then i saw him and then we started talking about cameras and then we just kind of like hit it off from okay, there okay. and then we just built, started to build a relationship but i wanted to tell the whole story because it's it kind of like it shows about relationships and opportunities turning into things and you know yeah. connecting the dots and you never know kind of what's going to happen down the line and we ended up building like a really great relationship out of it and great things came out of just saying yes to something, really. And those serendipitous moments that you mentioned. There we and go. And also the fact that you just never know who you're talking to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've, I've had so many instances of this in life where it's, people have approached me or people I know and you think to yourself, man, if I'd have just been like, oh, nah, I'm all right, thanks, mate, or nah, forget it. 
and, and maybe even trampled on their dreams or something, mm -hmm. a lot of stuff that happened in the future wouldn't have happened. Yeah. So being open to people, being open to like possibilities and like you say, just uh, you never know what might come of it. So, all right, tell, tell us about Mike then, man. Like, what's he like? Is he a cool guy? Does he still have a lot of love for Birmingham? Mike is so cool. Um, loves Brum, but will never live here again. Um, okay. But that's just because he's got his whole, you know, his whole family life. Sure. Um, down south, etc. But yeah, he loves Brum, man. Um, it's one of the reasons why he kind of like really embraced Jay and they embraced each other. Um, I think Jay's energy gave Mike new energy. And I think a lot of the stuff that happened was off kind of like them meeting each other and just might get in that kind of again mm. like whoa you know having that because the Birmingham energy is like really raw it's not refined it's just just real straight down the line and um Mike's just a great person he's a genius man like absolute genius and he was the first person um and let me put this on record as well he's the first person to walk me into um a major label building and help me get a deal for one of the acts that I represented which was Grimsick because I still look, look after him now but at the time we did, we were having the issue and um, outside forces were trying to get into his ear and be like, oh, Despo doesn't know what he's doing and he can't manage you and all that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> I want to say the person's name, but Karma already came for them anyway, so it's okay. Um, and <laughs> he came for them really bad as well. But uh, wow. that's, what, that's what you get when you put bad energy out. But mm. basically, I called Mike. I was like, Mike, I need some help, man. Like, I need to get I need to get a deal and to put some money in his pocket. He was like, leave it with me <laughs> about two hours later it might have been the next day i might be exaggerating but it was it was in my world that was like fast had an email had a deal from wow. warner um mike was friends with the president over there and we had a, like a small deal but it was enough for us to like do something with and we did it and that was that was the start from there um and he was the first person to walk me into the building and he just said he just said uh he said, stay quiet and let me do all the talking and look like you know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, just went with him, stayed Good quiet advice. in the corner and just, just learned and listened. And um, yeah, like I can't thank him enough really for kind of helping me overcome that. I don't know how it would have been if I had had experience on my own and, you know, he took me in at a really high level and then I've still got relationships based off the stuff that we did together as well. So um, yeah, he's just... He's just a great dude, man. I can't really say much more than that, really. He's one of those people that hasn't disappointed me. You know, when you say you never meet your never Heroes meet your idols. Or, Everybody yeah, has their yeah. quirks and stuff. So, you know, nobody's perfect. But Mike has not disappointed me as a person. And meeting him only helped everybody around me, um, which I can't thank him enough for. Yeah, what an amazing contact to have to call on, man. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And also... Big up to him for, for doing that. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to go out of his way to he didn't. introduce you, help you. He didn't, man. Open the door for you. He you didn't. Know? Him and his manager as well, Tim, Uncle Tim. Um, they both just put their arms around me and, and just helped. And Tim's put me in rooms with people that I don't think I would have been able to get in rooms with myself at the time. Um, and just, yeah, cool, thanks. Boom, boom. Just just connect to me. Oh, here's the email. Da -da -da -da. Wicked. Here's Despa. And that person, obviously, because Tim's Tim, they take me for somebody that obviously, you know, deserves some respect too. And yeah, just, it's just been great, really. It's just been great. And it's it's really shown me a, a lot about kind of, again, the whole thing about paying it forward and just kind of opening um, the doors for people. Mm. You know, both Mike and, and Tim have just helped us, like, just tremendously. So, 
So were you, yeah. were you looking after Grim Sickers before you started managing JK? Yeah. Full time, yeah. About kind of, I think it was like six weeks. It was like really oh, close. Wow. Okay. So Grim was actually first. Yeah. And like, again, one uh, another thing I want to put on record is that I don't think I'd be a music manager without Grim Sickers because he believed in me when I, at a time when really I didn't believe in myself because I, I came out of like Stay Fresh had, had ended uh, in, a, in a fashion. And um, I was in this weird stage where I started to feel like I started to feel like a little bit bitter about kind of everything failing okay you know like I put in I think it was eight years at that point into stay fresh um it was my dream like literally mm. like you know we, we've made something great out of it as well and we'd had all these highlights all these moments and then it all just came crashing down and then I was just depressed <laughs> I was just like oh yeah this is shit uh so yeah it's all over and when you're looking on, on Instagram and stuff, it's like everybody's having the time of their lives, it looks like. <laughs> and your things just come crashing down and you, and you don't know what's next. And I was like, oh, okay, I don't know what to do now. And I was in this really weird stage and I was around like Grim, not Grim, I was around um, Daps and Jay a lot. And I remember saying to them, I said, look, I feel myself getting a bit bitter, man. And before, I, I'm not a bitter person. Um, I'm not a bitter or envious person. I said, before I get, and turn into this like dude I don't recognize just because these things happen to me. I'd rather just leave and just go mm. and do something else. Wow. And, and I wasn't close, but I was also if 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 I kept feeling that way about kind of music, then I would have just gone and done something else. Like I really love tech, so I would have just ended up being like the tech world and doing something crazy over there. Um, and Grim came to me like out of the blue because I'd interviewed him a few times, and he was like, "Oh, uh, I've got this project I want you to help me with." Like, what, what, what you want about? <laughs> like me, like, you know, like, like, what are you choosing me for? Like me, yeah, like yeah. me who's just like failed at this thing. And he was like, uh, he's like, nah, man, like, I really think you can help me. Like, I believe, like, I believe it's like, you can help me. And it was, um, he had this bar, it was called Kane. Mm. And um, he'd done it on radio and got a really good response from it. And he said, I think it's a thing. I said, what, what? He said, nah, like, just trust me. I said, all right, then cool. So what do you need? said I need a beat I need this I need that I said all right then cool I'll, I'll take a chance on it and I did and the rest the is rest history is, really. yeah so um yeah big up grim man and seeing as we're touching on artist management and you're obviously fairly experienced in it now yeah yeah now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah what would you what would your main advice be to anyone looking to take steps into that kind of area of the industry uh, you know key qualities that you need <laughs> Is there any advice you can give to someone who wants to be an artist manager? Because is it is one of them jobs where it's like... If you don't have kids already, you will do. <laughs> that's my... Okay. That's, <laughs> that is my first bit of advice. Like, literally, I've got two kids and then my artists are my other, like, five kids. Um, in okay. a, in a, in a, not, not, in the, not in the sense that they're childish because they're not, but just that's the level of kind of... You're fathering them in a way. Yeah, that's the, that's mm. the level of kind of care and responsibility mm. uh, that 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 you have because you are uh helping to to look after their lives really um and it it can be quite intense so you know if you don't want to be up at like three four o'clock in the morning fighting fires don't get into artist management because you won't enjoy it and it's tough at times but i love it um i love the what's what it's done for the people around me etc um but yeah it's hard but at the same time it's amazing as well because helping to facilitate somebody's art and then somebody's 
dreams and, and being that kind of person that walks into some rooms that maybe they wouldn't function in well themselves and able to come out with an opportunity or, you know, we've just got this playlisting thing or we've just got this brand deal or we've just got this distribution deal or we've just got that X, Y, Z. Um, I know how kind of important that has been into into their careers and, you know, I don't I don't second guess that at all. So, yeah, it's... um. Just be um be professional. So, you know, timely responses to emails, which sometimes I'm not the best at, but uh that's why I've got an assistant. Um <laughs> so, and then uh and then just you know, being just be a cool person because you are you represent your artist. So some people may never meet your act, but they know you and through you they decide on whether they want to do business with your act if they've never met them before. Um, and then sometimes then maybe they do and maybe your act is an, is, is, is being an asshole and then maybe you gotta go clear it up. So there's like there's there's, <laughs> there's, 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 there's lots of there's lots of uh, there's lots of things that come with being a manager. But I do I do I do love it. Yeah. I wanna come back to something you said a moment ago, Des, but I meant to pick up on and I just got kinda lost yeah, in what cool. you were saying to be honest. But you, you you talked about that like real low that you experienced. Yeah, 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 and, yeah. And sort of almost feeling that bitterness and feeling like you might have wanted to step away from it. Yeah. I just wanna wanna ask you, do you think that that is a really important thing that you sometimes have to experience like yeah. in music and in yeah. any walk in of life really? Man. Um it's one of those things, man. It's like, you know what they say that cliche thing about you gotta hit rock bottom before you bounce back up again. You know, around that point in time I did hit rock bottom with my music life and I never I never really felt like I'd get there to be fair and I got there and I, I felt what it was like to kind of just not know just be in this complete black hole of a grey area and just be like shit like what do I do now <laughs> um, mm. and just everybody like you know what's, what's going on with Stay Fresh like and at the time not being able to answer the question either like oh you know we're just doing XYZ and knowing I was lying to everybody as well at the time because it was just crashing down <laughs> around us um and it was just bad, man. Um, but it is something I needed to go through. I did really need to go through that. It built like a new resolve um, within me. Uh, it reinforced the fact of that, you know, I love what I do. Um, I've got, you know, ambitions that I'm you know, bringing forward and, and, and achieving. And, you know, it was a bit of a setback, but that also taught me like a load of things that I would never know if I was, if everything was just successful. Mm. So there's, you know, things that I won't do again and, and, and things that you see on the horizon that now I know what they look like. Oh, okay, I can see that coming. So there's loads of things that I, I wouldn't, I wish, you know, I, I wish we were still a unit and I wish it was still um, flying high, but the experience taught me a lot and it's, it's you know, I've taken a lot of good out of it at the same time, but... Yeah, you kind of need to go through the um, you need to go through the bad to appreciate the good. <laughs> like, it's, 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 it's true though. Absolutely. How important is that resolve, that resilience that you just mentioned for like for artists and Mate, music industry folk alike? If you don't have resilience, you will not survive in this business. You just won't. That's mm. just it. If you aren't able to bounce back, take the hits, and keep coming, you're not going to survive because, especially because. Um, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's an, it's an entrepreneurial business in a sense, um, and that comes with a lot of ambiguity and grey area, and not knowing when your next check's coming from, not mm -hmm. knowing when your next bit of um, opportunity's coming from, and if you can't handle, and it's, and it's tough, and sometimes I, I don't wish it on anybody, but if you can't handle the anxiety that comes with all of that, and the not knowing, and still trying to make some things happen, and still trying to push through, you won't survive. You may as well go get a job, because. <laughs> This thing is not for the faint of heart at times mm. at all. Um, 
and yeah like you just need to have like resilience and it hardens you in a way um but it's important to not let it harden you to where you don't love what you're doing anymore yeah so it kind of you get hardened to the bullshit you get hardened to the ups and downs you get hardened to the kind of like the pain points and stuff but as long as you can kind of keep a hold of what it is that you, you're doing and why you're doing it and the fact that you love it, like that hardening actually is not a bad thing. Yeah. But you you, you need to have that strength of character or else you just won't make it through. It's a tough business, man. Very. <laughs> like it's, very like it's, 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 the, it's the toughest, isn't it? Yeah, man. It's, it's a tough business, man. Mm. Like it's a, uh, there's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot of sleepless nights. There's a lot of, I, I don't want to be cliche, but it's like, um, that's that thing, man. It's like, you know when people come, came back from the Vietnam War and they had this like thousand island stare, thousand yard stare. Just oh. like, I've seen things, man. I've seen like things. Shell shock. Yeah. Like I've <laughs> I think I've got the thousand yard stare now. Like I've wow. seen things. <laughs> like, like that's 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 what that's what it is. I guess what it reminds me of as well is that hardening that, that you go through, the hardening of perhaps the outer shell mm. to be able to repel things and let those things bounce off you. But maybe it's about not letting it Mate, you're too rigid and too you stiff. Can't be. You, you know can't be. I mean? You can't be. You have to mm. be fluid. This is a it's a fluid business. Um, art is fluid. Things change. Um, genres change. Um, you might be in love with the genre that you started at, and that just starts to shift absolutely no units. So, what are you gonna do to survive after that? You know, maybe you need to pick up a new act. Maybe you need to open your ears up to new to new stuff. You have to be fluid to remain in this business. So. Um, you know, you can be rigid in ways of, of, of doing things in a way, but you've got to be open to new opportunities and new ways of doing stuff because it changes all the time, especially mm. now. Like, you know, I think if I wasn't able to kind of like change pace and change direction and do different things, I'd be done by now because Corona would have just X me out. But, <laughs> um, but I'm mm. thinking, shit, how am I going to survive? And looking at doing things, that's why I built the studio. That's why I'm building the radio station and stuff. It's like, I'm like okay, cool. It's time to like build and then hopefully we come out of this better in the long run. But yeah, can't be fluid. Long story short. Yeah, I think that fluidity that you talk about is just, it's so important, isn't it? And to be flexible, uh, be like water. Like, yeah, like exactly. No, that's, the thing, that, that's, that, that's exactly the uh, that's exactly the quote. Uh, be like water. Because you'll snap if you don't. And this tides change like quick, man. Especially now. Yeah. This, this last year has just been mad. Be adaptable. Be diverse. Have to, because mm. it just, it just, especially now with the whole, you know, social media and everything is changing so quickly mm. that if you can't adapt and you can't see what's around the corner, uh, or at least you know when you see, when you do see it coming, know how to either get out of the way or go with the tide or whatever, then you will just get washed away, man. Like you just will. Yeah. So. um yeah, you can't get stuck in old ideas and old ideals and and that's when you just become washed. Yeah. Um, it's an evolve or die kind of situation. Isn't yeah, it? man. Always. And I've been here a long time, bro, and I'm still here, so. <laughs> you know how to do that. Yeah, I'm just trying. Say. I'm trying. Mm. I'm trying. We touched earlier on some of the highlights. That, well, you, I mean, you mentioned Jay going on tour with Mike and some yeah, of the yeah, amazing yeah. things that have happened. Yeah. Let's get into some highlights, man. I mean, geez. All right, let me give you one. Go on. I was at the Drake concert. Yeah. And I was, was there when Tiffany Calver bought Mist out. Yeah. Okay. And I was, was just thinking. Before, wasn't it? Or the weekend before or something. That was like, it. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it was a couple of days before. And I just yeah. thought, 
I can't imagine what this must be like for JK to walk out in his hometown yeah. to a crowd that size at a Drake concert. Yeah. Like, what was it like for you standing backstage watching that? It's unfold? it's it's literally like I mentioned earlier about kind of having more kids. It's um because I just feel like you just feel like a proud parent, man. Um, I don't do what they do, so it's hard mm. for me to really process what it is and how it feels like to go out on that stage in front of like, you know, 20,000 people, however much it was and do that. But watching it and just thinking to myself, like I was so proud of him. Mm. And and it's because also he's done so many shows before that, that when he went out there, he owned that stage, man. Like he, it's a big long walk. <laughs> you know, like, Absolutely. It was a long walk out there. <laughs> into that was, middle into circle. Into the middle circle. Mm. You've got all these people just looking at you and he just held it. And I was like, oh my God. Like that was just, it was amazing. It was amazing. Like I said, I was just really proud of him. Um, and that was just a moment, you know, just a cheesy thing was that moment for life for himself as well. Yeah. And just, just, again, it's one of those things just to know kind of like working together has enabled, you know, a lot of these things to happen. Uh, you can just, you know, it's just, it's just great. It's just like one, put it in the, the W column and we took a win there. And um, it's been a few of them. It's been a few, man. <laughs> like we, we, we've done okay so far. Um, and we've got a lot more to do as well. Um, but we've done okay so far. There's been some great moments. There's been like Jay being on power. Um, mm. That kicked like, a lot of things off, didn't it? Yeah, with, with Two Fake, yeah, 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 yeah. That's that sent um, Two Fake was already doing well already, but it, that just sent it to the moon. And and it also kind of um, really helped legitimize him and helped legitimize us as well. Um, because people still ask me today, like in the business as well, they're like, "How did you get that power thing? You know, like <laughs> how? You know, like how did you get that?" Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Like, hmm. <laughs> like, like, so it was one of those. We ended up in, I think we ended up in Music Week because of it. Um, yeah, it opened some doors, man. It helped put us on the map. That 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 sync did. Um, and then it's just like you know, the tour tour with the streets. We did like two tours. I think we did like nine Brixton Academies in a row. Just like show after show after show after show. Five thousand people. Five thousand people. Yeah. Five thousand people. Uh, what else, man? We've done like international stuff. Just just loads, man. It's like it's it's. It's just given, you know, I've given so much to it, but it's given so much to me as well um, and the team and just like experiences we just never would have, never would have had. So there's low. I can't really name like, you know, all of them. One of them for me personally, a personal achievement was getting my um, my distribution deal at Universal because that is something that I'd always wanted to do. Um, okay. That was like a, that was like a dream because a lot of the labels I look up to, they've all been kind of like Universal distributed or okay. built labels like Rockefeller and um like Def Jam and all those labels there, um, the cash money system. Uh so I tweeted about it I think eight years before it happened. But it was also an older thought than that. So to make it happen was just like <sighs> you know like like I could have I think I did. Did I cry? I think I did. I think I shed a couple of tears at least like but I was really like proud of myself man. Um Cause like my granddad, when my granddad passed away, like literally it was like a deathbed, like like literally like a deathbed promise um, that I'd make something out of myself. Cause I was I was uh, I wasn't <laughs> the best person at the time, um, so like I didn't want him to be. I don't think he died disappointed in me, but I know he didn't he didn't die like seeing me achieve any of the potential that I think he hoped for me. Mm. So you know those kind of achievements um, mean a lot. Cause you know I, I wanted to 
to do that stuff and kind of say, look, look, you know, I did it. Um, and still, you know, st- still trying to build now. So that meant a lot. Very beautiful, man, and, and very powerful as well. Uh, just having that feeling, you know, and wanting to just make some of, uh, seeing, you know, knowing that someone could see potential in you and thinking, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I wish I could have fulfilled that while they were here. Yeah. Everything. That's, that's yeah, an extremely I, powerful thing. I didn't, but I've made up for that. Exactly. A lot. Absolutely, <laughs> since, man. Since. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, still, that that's one of the main things. Like, I think that and my kids, those two things are what keep keep me keep me going really um i'm hoping i'll i'll get jk on the show at some point fingers crossed and and be able to ask him you know some of these questions but something that springs to mind is his relationship with stormzy mm. like did that come about way back when and and did it sort of did he reap the rewards of having that relationship with him and building that do you know what the cool thing is is that i'm glad you've said that because it's um it's that thing uh, that I said before about networking la- laterally mm. um, and things growing together. Is that when we were Stay Fresh Invasion, um, you know, these big grime collectives from the Midlands in like 2010, 11, 12, 13, when, then, when London was having that like lull, a lot of the younger acts that were coming up then, um, you know, and they've said it to us personally and stuff like, you know, the AJ Tracys, the Storms and these people, they were looking at, JK, they were looking at Safwan, they were looking at Deadly, oh, wow. they were they were they were looking at them as the the guys that are doing it. Um so what's happened is is that as they've just gone turned into these superstars and Jay's risen also, you know, they were able to come together because they've got that mutual respect and Jay's known Stormzy for for ages. Um I think, if I remember correctly, Jay came out of at Stormzy's first show. Yeah, because it was Saf Jay, Sox, Daps, um Stormzy's first show in Birmingham when he did two hundred people. Wow. Um and then it just got like it was just so weird because it just got like bigger and bigger and bigger mm. and bigger like so quickly. But they've maintained that relationship since then, and they're actually friends. So it's um, yeah, it's just like one of those things that's happened naturally over time. But I think also a relationship that maybe wouldn't be there in as strong as it was if Jay hadn't elevated to as Stormzy was elevating as a as an as an act, and not just because you know not to say it's just just because of that. It's not because they've got a genuine relationship, but you know, when somebody's in a different zone, sometimes they're in that different zone and mm. you don't have the opportunities to come together and, and do stuff because they're just in this different world now. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Jay's been able to kind of hold his own in that as well. So That is that is beautiful. And I, I really know what you mean by um, when someone perhaps moves into a different stratosphere. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the Brixton Academy earlier. I know what it's like to stand on that stage. Yeah. And... Um, I was I supported Ed Sheeran there when he was ju- oh, no just way. after his first album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We go way back and stuff. And when someone does move into that, like a global stratosphere, mm-hmm. then you know you might have come up together, and they might bring you backstage at like a New York show and introduce you to people and stuff like that. But it's it, it's amazing that you know Stor- Stormzy has kind of moved into that stratosphere, he's, and I think it's massive. it's fantastic that he took Jay on tour, didn't he, recently? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as, as his main support. And, and it's like it's Stormzy, bro, like, I, I met him. I met him for the first time. We spoke online and stuff, but I met him for the first time at that show when it was like 200 people, yeah. Every single time I meet him, he's the same guy. Yeah. He's millions of pounds richer, so much more experience, so much more everything, but he's literally the same exact person. Love that. Every time. Mm-hmm. And like, like it was mad um last year sometime he was he broke his iPhone and he went to the Apple store to get a new iPhone and they told him how much it was 
And he was like, what? <laughs> and didn't buy it. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, he told me that. But you want to charge me what? Like, he told me that. And I was like, yo, you're like a multi-millionaire. And obviously, don't just spend your money. But his, rea- but his reaction to it was a genuine... I thought I'm not spending that much on a phone. <laughs> and it was I love just, it. That was just nice because it. it was, you know, like like that. You still, you still you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a millionaire yeah. was like, all right, cool, cool. I pay. Yeah. He just he didn't buy the phone. He left. I love that. I was like, yeah, that's that's so sick. I saw a picture of Sadio Mane walking around like back, you know, sort of behind the scenes at Liverpool at Anfield with a, a smashed up phone. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. He, yeah, he just wasn't thing. bothered. Just because he had cares. the phone and the phone was broken. Like yeah. I saw him and the phone was broken and I was oh, like, why? and I, I took a lot from that because it was, you know, we, I, we all hope we, we, we attain, you know, the riches that we want to attain or whatever. And you always kind of wonder how you're going to be when you get there. And just knowing that he, he actually walked out the shop and didn't buy the phone when he could have done. It says a lot about him. It, it says a lot about him like, and it mm. says a lot about why he hasn't changed, why I always meet him. He's just the same guy because he's just rich, but he's the same dude. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, man, it's sick. I love it. So, all right, let's let's quickly touch on before we wrap up the interview. Let's touch on Birmingham currently, man. Like, who who's really exciting you at the moment? Who's flying the flag? Um, Millions is, I believe, the flag flyer at the moment. He's the he's the front runner. Um, obviously, everybody's doing amazing things. But I just mean, you know, like there's that new person that comes through, and they've mm. got that that thing like yeah. right now millions yeah. has got that thing he's just gone bam um and i'm hearing he's got a couple more things to come as well which are really exciting and really happy for him and his team um but yeah millions man um and then there's tana there's jay there's miss there's usual suspects like lady leisha so proud of her um mm. doing tv ole adverts and samsung adverts and just being like really represent representative of Birmingham, but then also as a black female as well, and like someone to look up to, and she's killing it. Um, who else, man? I don't want to just kind of like say people we work with. I saw um, the, the the radio session with yeah, Spyro, yeah, 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 week. yeah. And I mean, T Rhodes is always someone T. that stands out for me. He's gonna have a good run, and he's just got new management as well, and his new manager's cool, so that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> expecting big things there, yeah, yeah because I think he hasn't I think one one time he was managed by his friend his young friend who is an amazing person I won't even say his name but he's an amazing but maybe the maybe just the experience level wasn't there mm. and the people they were working with maybe wasn't right at the time then he went with somebody else you know but now he's got somebody that I think is going to be really like good for him um, and help him turn around kind of like where he's at at the moment and really show that promise that he's got so um, yeah yeah, big up, big up, big up them. I think T Rod is gonna have a great, a great future. And what about the future of B eighty three, man? What can we expect from Jeez. you guys? Come on, bro, fill us in, give us an insight. Excellence, man. I think you know what I'm. You know when you mentioned that thing about Spyro um, and the thirty year plan, um, I am building an institution. Um, that's it. Like I, I, I look up to so many different. Um, companies people you know in music you've got an excel recordings yeah that's like what 20 odd years old or whatever just an absolute a- absolute institution in mm. in their in their field um and something that stands for something it stands for great music it stands for uh you know taking chances and and, and stuff like that and independence, I, I, independence. Mm. um you know with, with b83 i'm building i'm building the company that that 
that I hope and believe will stand the test of time, not just in music, but in media and in different areas too. Um, so yeah, you know, putting on the record, I kind of like, I'm really inspired by like a virgin. You know, I walk past, I go through the boring, I see like virgin holidays or virgin money and I see virgin <laughs> airways and virgin records. I'm like, oh, be nice to have like a B83 money or something like that. Like it's kind of like, you know, that and that's that's long range stuff and that's stuff mm. that may or may not happen. But that's my my ambition is for the brand to live outside of outside of music and, and grow into different different things. But in music in itself, you know, we've got the management company that's still growing. Um, we just signed on that last week called Casino. Um, on both management records and I think he's going to be big and we're looking at other things as well so that's growing um, the label we're just putting a lot of effort into that to build that too and then you know getting into kind of like publishing in other areas too as well so the next this next year or two is is really a setup for the next 10 um, and you know the the whole market's changed so I'm having to kind of like redevelop the the plan a little bit but the the, the long range stuff is still the same it's just kind of like how to get there so yeah, just just greatness, really. <laughs> just just stuff I can pass down to my kids. Like I just want to leave something for my family and everybody else that we work with for them to be able to leave things for their for their kids too. Um, and just say, yeah, we were here. We we did this thing. We helped build the city that we love. So that's what that's 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 it. That's that. Love that man. I think it's abundantly clear, Desp, that you are a visionary, someone who dreams really big. And someone who the city should be really proud of, man. Thank you, so man. Appreciate thank it. you so much for coming on the show. Thank it's you, been an bro. immense pleasure. Uh, appreciate you having me, bro. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Art and Business of Music podcast hosted by me, Jimmy Davis, aka Tapes, and brought to you in conjunction with Brum Radio. I'm left with just enough time to let you know that this is the final episode for season one of the Art and Business of Music podcast. But fear not, we will be back bigger, better, stronger later in 2021. And I just want to thank all of my guests on this season of the podcast, starting with John Parker of Nislapi, Lyle Binyan, Vix Perks of Fuzzbox, Carlos Salazzo, Malik from Moorish Delta 7, Stush, Funky DL, Adrian Goldberg, Mel Draguza, and Desper Robinson. A massive thank you to Rich, Maggie, and Danny DeRabakil at Brum Radio for all of their help, support, and encouragement. Take care, and I look forward to seeing you for season two.